So Matthew 23, verses 1 through 12, let me read those and then we'll pray, unpack this a little bit. Back up just one verse. Uh, No one could say a word in reply, and from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father. For you have one Father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher. For you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for... Your word again this morning. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the one who humbled himself to the point of death. For all us who are full of ego, all of us who want to be seen, all of us who suffer an inferiority complex, all of us who are broken. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the one who didn't tie up a burden and laid on us, but picked up our burden and carried it to a cross. Thank you for this section. Thank you for your truth. And I pray, Lord, that it would find a place in our hearts today. We know the truth, and the truth will set you free all found in one who is the truth. So I pray that that would be true in our experience this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to turn with me to a passage, 1 Kings 14. This kind of came to me this morning as I was lying in bed thinking, <clears throat> and I thought of this passage. It was, I think, it's per- it's pertinent to um, to the issue that we're going to be looking at. <clears throat> Verse four, uh, chapter fourteen of First Kings. At that time, Abijah, son of Jeroboam, became ill, and Jeroboam said to his wife, 
Go disguise yourself so you won't be recognized as the wife of Jeroboam. Then go to Shiloh. Ahijah, the prophet, is there. The one who told me that I would be king over this people. Take ten loaves of bread with you, some cakes and a jar of honey, and go to him. He'll tell you what will happen to the boy. So Jeroboam's wife did what he said and went to Ahijah's house in Shiloh. So what was she supposed to do? Disguise herself. So she wouldn't be recognized as the wife of the king, Jeroboam. And I think this is just fascinating because the man she's coming to, God's servant, this prophet, it says, now he, Ahijah, could not see. Isn't that humorous? Disguise yourself? Well, the prophet couldn't see. Because of his age. <clears throat> but the Lord had told Ahijah, Jeroboam's wife is coming to ask you about her son, and he is ill, and you're to give her such and such an answer. When she arrives, she will pretend to be somebody else. So when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps at the door. He said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why this pretense? I have been sent to you. I have been sent to you with bad news. Go tell Jeroboam that this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I raised you up from among the people and made you leader over my people, Israel. Remember that in regards to the spirit what we're talking about here with the Pharisees and this seat of Moses. I raised you up from among the people and made you a leader over my people, Israel. I tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. But you have not been like my servant David, who has kept my commands and followed me with all his heart, doing only what was right in my eyes. You have done more evil than all who lived before you. You have made for yourself other gods, idols made of metal. You have provoked me to anger and thrust me behind your back. Because of this, I am going to bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam. I will cut off from Jeroboam every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will burn up the house of Jeroboam as one burns up dung until it is all gone. As for you, verse 12, go back home when you set foot in the in your city, the boy will die. All Israel will mourn for him and bury him. He is the only one belonging to Jeroboam who will be buried because he is the only one in the house of Jeroboam in whom the Lord, the God of Israel, has found anything good. That's a quite a passage. Just a springboard, though, into this one because God had raised up certain people to be in charge of his house, of the temple and, and be his representatives. And so we're coming into this passage and we're thinking about the use and the abuse of authority. Remember that they're the ones that came to Jesus and questioned his authority. We talked about that a couple of weeks back. And Jesus has responded to that in several different ways in, in different uh, parables. And <clears throat> so, so here Jesus is really hitting them straight on. But at the very beginning of it, I think he says some interesting things. So let me 
just to kind of outline it, I put this in four different sections. The position respected. Notice the words Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. And there's the practice rebuked, but do not do what they do. And then there's the pride revealed. Everything they do is done for men to see. And then there's the policy reminded, but you do not do these things. So we'll look at those issues in this section. Let's look at the position respected. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. And so when I looked up on the internet, I found a lot of different seats that they said were Moses' seat in various synagogues. This one you see here is the seat of Moses at <clears throat> Chorazin. Jesus may have sat in one of these very seats. You remember when he came to Nazareth and he, they handed him the scroll, Isaiah, and he picked it up and he, he read it. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Preach good news, remember? And uh, to set the people, the prisoners free, to give sight to the blind, and to heal the lame, and to preach the acceptable, the good news of, of the kingdom. So, Jesus said he sat down. He stood up to read it, and he sat down. He probably sat down in one of these seats. Um, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. Moses sat in a seat when he judged the people. Moses um, had that position of authority. And so these are the very same Pharisees and teachers of the law that question and resisted Jesus' rightful authority. I find that very interesting because in just a few more verses here, he is going to lay these guys out. I mean, he just takes off the gloves and hits hard. So think of that. He doesn't disrespect that position of authority that has been given to them. Yet Jesus, the very prophet that Moses pointed to, remember, another prophet will be risen up. God will send another prophet like unto me. And you're to listen to everything he says. Well, that prophet has the, is there. And Jesus does not diminish the authority or the place, the prominence that uh, he had given to the law. But he upholds it. Somebody said this, power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so these men who had been given authority, who had been given a place to judge, to speak out the truth of God, they're sitting in this position, and though they have really blown it, and though they have rejected the one that they were supposed to open the door for and, and acknowledge Jesus... They don't. Somebody wrote this. Matthew Henry, in fact, said this. Many a good place is filled with bad men. It is no new thing for the vilest men to be exalted, even to Moses' seat. And when it is so, the men are not so much honored by the seat as the seat is dishonored by the men. Now that they sat in Moses' seat, were so wretchedly degenerated 
that it was time for the great prophet to arise and like Moses to erect another seat. Good and useful offices and powers are not therefore to be condemned and abolished because they fall into somebody else's hands who are bad and who abuse them. We must not therefore pull down Moses' seat because scribes and Pharisees have got possession of it. Rather than let both grow together until the harvest. And so Jesus is, is giving respect to his word. He's giving respect to the law. He's giving respect to Moses' position. So he says you must obey them and do everything they tell you. And of course I think that's in, in balance with providing they don't add to the law. I mean, we weren't supposed to do that, remember? Even in Revelation, don't add to this. Uh, or teach as law the commands of men, which they did. So let's look at a second thing, the practice rebuke. They were to teach, they were to instruct, you were to listen to them, but watch out for what they do. This authority position. But do not do what they do. Interesting, you know, sometimes, you know, listen to what I say, but don't do what I do. That's a poor teacher. You're supposed to exemplify it. You're supposed to show how it's done. Um, But these guys were, Jesus said, listen to what they're saying, but don't do what they do. And there are two things that they do. They did not practice what they preached. They did not practice what they preached. Is that true of you? Is that true of me? Do men see one thing on Sunday or and a different thing on Monday? Do we practice what we preach? That is a searching thing for each of us. And then the second thing they do is they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. They themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And we see this in in the lives of the Pharisees. Do you remember Jesus um, heals heals a lady who is there? and, uh, And they rebuke him because he did it on the Sabbath in the temple. And Jesus says, shouldn't this daughter of Abraham be healed? And they were mad at him, at them and him, and said, you guys shouldn't come in here to be healed on the Sabbath. You should stay outside. What a rebuke to the lady, to the people, and to Jesus. And Jesus said to them, is it lawful to do good or is it lawful to do bad on the Sabbath? Is, is it something wrong with doing right on the Sabbath? So he practiced, and they liked to let, make these heavy loads for people. Contrast that with Paul's words to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life. Notice how he puts the two together? My teaching and my way of life. They they agree. It wasn't, don't do as I do, just do what I tell you. I think that's very insightful. Paul tells his protege Timothy, he says, you, however, know all about my teaching. 
And then he adds it with my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, and my sufferings. Two tendency in the abused authority, in abused authority. One is to assume my teaching doesn't apply to myself. Somehow I can tell other people what to do. Somehow I can tell the word of God to other people and not have it apply to me. Assuming that my teaching doesn't apply to myself. There's an aloofness. There's an above the law. There's an indifference to my own failures. Just do what I say. But don't live it out and don't realize the importance of the teaching to myself. And then you develop a system to make life harder with no intent to assist. Notice that great effort is made to make something heavy. Great effort. He says, you make these things heavy. You work at it. But in contrast to trying to lighten someone's load, they don't even lift a finger. They spend a lot of time making something difficult and don't do anything to make it lighter. Jesus came to lift loads, and they hated him for that. They memorialized this hatred in the very words at the cross, and they said, he saved others. He can't save himself. They complimented the fact that Jesus lifted loads. He saved others. And they hated that. So let's look at uh, the pride that's revealed. Verses 5 through 7. Read that again. Everything they do is done for men to see. Everything they do is done for men to see. And then he lists some of the things they do for men to see. Now turn with me to Matthew 6, 1 through 8, because he's already talked about these guys, and Jesus says some very straightforward things. Matthew 6, to his own disciples, and this has to do with, remember the policy. He says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. Why? To be seen by them. Everything they do is done for men to see. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, this is some of the things that they did for the sake of being seen. Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. Can you imagine that? We have time for off the offering, pass the offering earlier this today. And uh, Danny didn't come up with a trumpet, blow it. It was kind of a quiet thing. Um, we have a box back there. We don't want to make an announcement about it. But these guys, they blew a trumpet. They stood on the street corner where everybody could see. And then they put in their money. And Jesus picks that up in another <clears throat> occasion when there was a widow who didn't have anything. 
was less than a penny to put into this offering at the temple. And these other guys came in blowing their trumpets and all the cling-clang, make as much noise because we want everybody to see. Oh, look at that guy. He's, he's, he's a spiritual man. He's holy. He's, a, he's great. Look what he gave. And this other lady put this little teeny thing that barely made a noise. And Jesus said, you know what? She gave more than all those guys did. But they did everything to be seen. And Jesus says, when you do it, don't do it like that. Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have, their, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Isn't that funny? Have you ever told your left hand, I'm not going to tell you what the right hand is doing? It's just inconceivable, right? Does your right hand know what your right, left hand is doing? Or is it totally naive? I think it's just a funny thing. God says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. I mean, just make it that unknown. Not a big deal. But these guys blew trumpets. And so then he goes on. He says, so that... <clears throat> Your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Why? To be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received the reward in full. But when you pray, policy, when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So they were all concerned about being seen by men. And they forgot about the one who sees in secret. Remember the uh, the lady who went to the prophet, disguised herself, she wouldn't be able to see, she wouldn't be able to tell what the difference was. Do you think God knows the difference between your heart and why you're doing what you're doing? I think He does. He told Abijah, "Hey, she's coming. I know all about it. Your father who sees in secret." What are you doing in secret? Oh, I know what you're doing in public. <laughs> yeah, ooh, everybody, oh, yeah, great, good guy. What are you doing in secret? Your father who sees in secret says, go into, the, go into your bedroom, you know, pray there. You don't have to make a big show of it. But these guys, all they wanted was attention from men, and they forgot all about God of honoring him. They sought the accolades of men, not the well done of God. So for appearance, phylacteries wide, tassels long, you got to see this. I am a holy man. Me, spiritual. So there's prominence, place of honor, the most important seat. Me first. 
And there's deference. They love to be greeted. Oh, Rabbi, it's so good to see you. Can I shake your hand? Will you autograph my book or your book? Whatever it is, me, me, me. It's all about me. And they were using their position of exalt to exalt God to exalt themselves. Let's look at the pride, the policy reminded. Oops. Okay. Therefore, but then he goes on, he says, but not so among you. But you are different. Not so among you. Remember in Matthew 18, he had just got through saying, therefore, whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. These guys were wanting to be great. In Matthew 20, he says, not so among you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. These are hints of fallenness, I think, as we see these Pharisees. The pervasive infection of pride that sin brought into the world is endemic. That which promised us greater prominence only left us with an inferiority complex that has an insatiable demand for more and more accolades and the accumulation of stuff to prove our worth. The mantra of equality that is demanded by many in our days is another evidence of sin's subtle effort to cover its tracks and blame another. And so Jesus reminds them, you're not to be that way. That's not the way for the kingdom people. Not so among you. Then he goes on, he says this, but you're not to be called rabbi. For you have only one master and you are all brothers. Interesting how he calls rabbi and master together. It seems like we have we have different degrees of you know, you got your black belt, you've got your other belt, you've got this belt, and then you get to be the master. Um, you have golf tournaments, and then you have the masters golf tournament. And so the idea here is rabbi. It's like, whoa, let me touch you, you know, let me let me um, be in your presence. It's this idea of being super important. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have only one that's a really a master. And you are all brothers. And that just puts him back down on the, on the same level, isn't it? Interesting that we call ourselves brethren. Uh, assembly of the brethren. That's partly some of the same idea is that, hey, the cross brings us to the same level, doesn't it? And rich and wealthy people and people who are proud and full of themselves hate being put on that same level. So then he goes on, and do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. So is Jesus saying that we should eliminate all use of these titles? Don't be called rabbi. 
Don't call him on earth father. Don't be called teacher. I don't think he's saying we should eliminate these titles. I think he's doing the other, something else. I think he's pulling us away from those titles that give us a false assumption of significance and greatness. In each of these titles, Jesus swings the attention back to the one who should have full um, attention. He swings us back to the one and only one that bears those credentials to the fullest extent. There's only one who is the true rabbi. There's one who is a real master. There's only one who is a real father. There's only one who is the teacher. Not so among you. And then he goes on, he says, the greatest, the greatest among you will be your servant. But whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Whoever exalts himself will be. He doesn't say might be, could be, should be. He says will be. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And you can count on it. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so then he says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. Whoever humbles himself also can count on one thing. You will be lifted up. You will be given us honor. So the rabbi's prescription, the rabbi's prescription to those in his kingdom, his upside down kingdom, is one of humble service for the well-being of others. Instead of looking to construct heavy burdens to put people down, we're to do more than lift our fingers. We're to follow the Savior in laying down our lives to bring others into that relationship with the Christ and with the Father. Now, did he ask us to do something that he didn't do? I find that interesting that Jesus never asked us to do something that he himself did not do. Because in Philippians it says, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And here's the will be part. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name. That's above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Will be exalted. Will be humbled. And these men, these men were just chasing to be exalted. They didn't know that the one who could give them the sense of identity, of worth, was standing right in front of them. In fact, they couldn't even recognize him because he was so humble, so much like a lamb.
the greatest among you will be your servant. So who was the greatest among them? They were always fighting about who was the greatest. Remember that? Even at the Lord's, at the Last Supper, it says that they were talking about who was the greatest. So who was the greatest among them? The greatest among you will be your servant. Right in front of them is the greatest. And he says these words in John 13. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. Now those are the same words, some of the same words that he just got through saying. Don't let anybody call you teacher. He says, you call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so. For that is what I am. Well, so what did he just get through doing? Is he contradicting his own teaching? No, he just got through washing his disciples' feet. Peter found that very disgusting because none of them would wash feet. They didn't offer it. I said, not me, Lord. Oh, come on. And Jesus had done something for them. Do you understand what I've done for you? They don't do what they preach. Jesus did what he preached. You call me teacher and Lord, and that's right. That's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. No, I don't think he's just talking about washing feet. That was a custom. That was something that should have been done whenever you had a company come. and That was just a normal thing. And so there are other things that we do. Do we take the low servant part? Or do we want to do, hey, did you see what I did? Look at my phylactery. Look at my castles. Look at what I, look at my money. Look at, no. We take the low side. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master. And Jesus was the master. He was the rabbi. He was the teacher. He was the Lord. He humbled himself to death and the Father exalted him. He didn't take, he didn't make up burdens for us. He came and lightened the load. Jesus took my burden. His authority was indisputable. He was the greatest among them. And yet he was the humblest of servants. He walked down a ladder. We climb ladders. No more ladders to climb for us. No more egos to inflate. We are saved and we are safe in him. Not so among you. Not so among you. There's enough phony religious stuff out there. We, the servants of a king, we in his kingdom should exemplify our King. Well, let's pray. Father in heaven, 
thank you for this passage. Thank you for pinning the ears of these men to the wall, as it were, exonerating the position that you had given them, but not exonerating the poor practice, the selfishness, the ego that they exemplified. Lord, help us as your representatives. Lord, we want to, we're always suffering from this ego thing. What a wonderful thing to be set free from sin, from pride. What a wonderful thing to be able to be humble. It's got to be the most freeing thing to have to try to think you're better than somebody else. Just be who you are. You're God has made you to be. So Lord, help us as we live out the reality of these words. Take your word, find a place, drive it home clearly to us. This world is sick of seeing hypocrites, Pharisees, religious people who talk but don't walk. So honor your word today in Jesus' name.